is up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dense Pixel Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brad, joined by my co-host, Micah. Hey. Uh, Carrie will join us later in the show in what is definitely a live segment to talk about the Nintendo Direct <laughs> that happened on Monday. Uh, and then and then Micah, who won't be here when Carrie's here because he has something to do for approximately half an hour, um, will come back to give us his thoughts afterwards on said segment. So we have that to look forward to. Um couple new games that I've been playing. Uh, a listener in the Dense Pixels Discord suggested that I check out uh, Dicey Dungeons, another one of these like deck-building style roguelike games, uh, a la Slay the Spire. Um, this has been on my radar as well. Uh, it was on sale on the Switch for like 8 bucks or something thereabouts, so I picked it up on a whim. Um, it's fine. It's, it's fine. Um, it's, it's much lighter. Then slay the spire. Um, you're going. You're. You're. It's weird. Like you're on a like a faux game show, um, and and you have like a class, and the class, of course, determines like what's in your starting deck, and you know you go through different encounters, um, trying to level up to gain new abilities. Uh, what's interesting is that all these new abilities you get um, take up space in your like action tableau, right? And the more powerful an ability is, the more blocks it will take up in your action tableau. So, like, you can either have a lot of less powerful abilities or, like, a couple really powerful abilities and a couple more less small. Think of it kind of like the inventory system in a Resident Evil game where, like, bigger items take up more space in the backpack and that kind of thing. Um, so that's an interesting consideration that you have to make when you get new abilities is you have to figure out, you know, do I want to – you know, upgrade this or not. Um, and all of your actions are are regulated by dice rolls. And each action requires specific um, dice uh, of, you know, certain values to be assigned to it. Um, you know, you might have a sword, which is basic, which will do as many hit points of damage as the die that you assign to it. You might have an ability, though, that only takes even numbered dice, for example, or can only take four or less. And you have different ways to manipulate the dice as well, so you're not completely beholden um, to the rolls that you get. Um, again, it's fine. It's it's interesting. Like everyone keeps gunning for that uh, for that like slay the spire crown. Um, no one can quite pull it off in in the same way. The the two that I've heard come the closest are Griftlands and Monster Train, um, both of which are currently only on PC. Uh, Grifflands is coming to the Switch later this year, so I'm looking forward to to that happening because I've heard a lot of good things about that, but I've never gotten to play it. Um, so yeah, Dicing Dungeons, it's fine. Like I said, if you can pick it up around ten bucks, I think that's a decent price for it. If you like, uh, if you like those more board gamey uh, roll roll uh, roguelike games, rather. Um, speaking of board gamey stuff, I've really had a hankering to play to find like a really good 4X game uh, that I can play on console. Um, what is a 4X game? So a 4X game is a subgenre of strategy games. The 4Xs stand for Explore, Expand, Exploit, and Exterminate, um, which now those are – start with Xs. That's correct, Micah. Oh, yeah, X's. Yes, that's why, that's, why it's, that's why it's clever. Um, and there, so a lot of strategy board games do this. Uh, there's a lot that I enjoy um, – also just picked up Twilight Imperium 4, which I'm super excited about, but that's going to be a while before we get to play that. Um, but I've been looking for a, a good video game version. Uh, Civilization is kind of the undisputed king 
of this genre. And the console port of Civilization VI is actually really good. It was on sale for 15 bucks last week on PlayStation, uh, so I picked it up. And this was a horrible, horrible idea. <laughs> because the other because the other night, on like Sunday night, I was playing some Civ, and it was like, I looked at the clock, it's like 11.30. I usually go to bed around midnight, give or take, get six hours of sleep. And... 11.30 came up, I'm like, man, I should probably think about getting to bed soon, but you know what, this 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 lighthouse that I'm trying to build in, in my city, like, it's going to be done in, like, six turns. I was like, so I'll keep playing until the lighthouse is built, and then I'll go to bed. And then the lighthouse got built, and then one of my other cities was like, well, we're almost done this thing that we have over here. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll, you know, I'll just play a couple more turns, and then this thing can be done. And then I looked at the clock, and it was, like, 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, oh, no, like, I should have gone to bed. An hour ago. Um, it definitely sucks you in. I am terrible at it so far. Like, I, I'm about a quarter of the way through my first uh, my first game. And the first, like, 50 turns or so were things things seemed like they were going pretty well. Like, I was keeping pace pretty good uh, with some of the other civilizations around me. And then Greece uh, asked me to embark with them in a joint war against Cleopatra. And I'm like, that's cool because Cleopatra doesn't really like me. Like, she thinks I'm weak because my military is, you know, is below par. But you know what? Go over there with Greece. We'll go fuck them up. Like, let's make this shit happen. And I started moving my warriors over to Egypt. And and those motherfuckers had chariots and bows and shit. They were, they were wrecking my soldier that had clubs <laughs> to death. And that's when I found out that I should have been spending way more points in military or way more resources in military. Instead of building like campuses and other science buildings to learn technology and shit like that, <laughs> see, terrible. See? So uh, that's that's yeah. You see, you're you're an American. You're supposed <laughs> to arm your military. I'm actually first. playing. I'm I'm actually playing as America. Like that's the that's the civilization that oh, I'm going well, with. So. Yeah. See, you got this weird like utopia that you want to live in, where America is like, hey, let's learn about science and technology and help the world, and it's just nah, nah. See, we are the bullies who come in and run roughshod and then take everything. That's how you got to play. Yeah. So it's interesting. So I, so I quickly made peace with Cleopatra and, and got out of the war pact with Greece because that wasn't going to go well. Um, it's really, like I said, it's, it's a fun game. Uh, it, I will say for those of you out there, it is not really a game that you can play casually. I mean, one entire campaign is going to take like 10 hours. Like that's, that's, you know, probably your first game that you play is probably going to take that long. Um, it's not meant to be brief. It's not meant to be fast. I mean, they, they have short game versions that you could do, um, if you want to, but it's, it's, it's not a great casual game. And I will say I had to watch a fair amount of tutorial videos on YouTube. Um, and there's a great series done by a YouTuber who, whose, uh, name is Quill 18, uh, did a great like multi-part civilization six tutorial series that taught me a lot because the tutorials in the game are ass. Like they're fucking horrible. Um, in this modern age of video games, it's embarrassing to not have like a proper tutorial, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and Civilization Six definitely is important. Like all the information you could ever want is in the the Civilpedia that's that's in the game itself. But that's that's not a way to learn something. That's that's like a that that that's a reference resource um, when you have questions later on. Uh, but yeah, Civ Six is great. Uh, if again, it's it's back to fifty bucks right now. Don't pay fifty dollars for it. Um, Catching on a sale, there's a ton of content with the base game, and if you enjoy the base game and you feel base gamed out after a while, uh, then there's a ton of expansion content that you can buy too. Um, the 
control interface is about as good as it can be when you're taking a game design for mouse and keyboard and playing it with a controller. Um, I don't really know what else they could have done better, which is to say that it's still kind of awkward to control. Um, but they did the best they could with, with the, uh, with the resources that they had. And I can't complain too much about that. So that's, that's what I've been playing for the past week or so. All right. Uh, some new releases coming out this week. There's lots of stuff, lots of stuff. Um, dry drowning, which is a terrible fucking name for a video game, uh, (laughs) is out on the Nintendo switch. Uh, heavy metal machines came at the PlayStation and Xbox, uh, Persona 5 Strikers came to PC, PlayStation, and Switch. Carrie's been playing that. She'll have her thoughts on that next week or, pop, or whatever she's next on. Uh, Rogue Heroes, Ruins of Tesos comes to PC and Switch. Two Point Hospital, A Stitch in Time, uh, DLC comes to PC. Fights in Tight Spaces, a game that I'm very interested in uh, if it makes its way to consoles eventually, comes out on PC. Uh, Minecraft Dungeons, Flame of the Nether, DLC comes to PC, PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. Castle Kong comes to Switch. Code Realize, Wintertide Miracle comes to Switch. Ghost and Goblins Resurrection comes to Switch if you feel like bashing your face against a brick wall. Hellpoint comes to Switch. Room to Grow comes to PC. Uh, Bravely Default 2 comes to Switch, which Micah, I'm sure, will have some thoughts on next week. Yep. And then uh, Hot Brass comes to PC and Katana Kata comes to PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm actually kind of looking forward to Bravely Default. And I hope that um, like the big thing with that game is that when you beat it, you kind of have to do it again. Is that going to be true of this one too? I hope not. <laughs> like I, I feel like, like the, the level of complaint about that specific aspect of the first brotherly default is universal across everybody that I've talked to yeah, that has man. played that game. So I can't imagine that they would go back to that same well. Again, I mean, I hope not. Um, if if it if it does, boy, are you gonna hear about it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, go to densepixels.com slash fans. That link will take you to our Discord. Um, we're, we're 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 moving along with the Discord. I'm getting a little used to it. I'm still a little shy. I'm 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 more of a lurker, you know. Uh, I'm an old man and I don't like change, but change is good. And you should go to densepixels.com slash fans to get invited to our discord. We have on the, on the nerd apocalypse one, I'd imagine it's coming soon to the other ones too. We have custom emojis now, uh, which are all great. <laughs> yeah, <that's awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I saw that. And uh, the, the ones that they, that they selected are pretty, are pretty damn good. Um, uh, I, I'm a fan of Brad face. Yeah. Uh, I think Brad face is pretty universal, right? Like, like Brad face is, is like, we need to get Brad face as popular as the, uh, as that black guy who going or, or like, or like the double take white guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Go to youtube.com slash dense pixels and subscribe. We upload our, uh, show in video form uh, over there. Uh, subscribe to all of the TNP Studios podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, including the Nerd Apocalypse, Black on Black Cinema, uh, which we just did an episode on Judas and the Black Messiah. 
that uh, that uh, JNTR were very good on, and uh, I was just adequate. Uh, <laughs> coming distractions, um, and the weekly preview episode of the Look Forward Political Podcast. And if that's not enough, it's not. go to densepixels.com slash premium. For $5 a month or $50 for the full year, you'd access to the premium slate of podcasts, including the airing of grievances, no time to beat... No Time to Bleed, The Men with the Golden Tongues, Upstage Conversation, and the full episode of the Look Forward Political Podcast. Very good. Uh, Let's get right into the news. Um, There was a GQ article that came out that had quite a bit of news uh, being made from Jim Ryan, who is the CEO of PlayStation Worldwide Studios. Uh, One of the biggest news, arguably, is that there's a new PlayStation VR uh, that is coming to the PS5 console next year. Uh, there's an article on the PlayStation blog about it. Uh, they detail that there's going to be a new ergonomic controller that's going to incorporate some of the key features found in the DualSense. Um, and I think they're keeping it simple in terms of like the one chord system, just like they have with the current PlayStation VR. I know a lot of folks were hoping for a wireless solution, but we're not really there yet, I don't think, uh, in the VR space. Um, so that's cool. So Mike, are you excited about VR coming to PlayStation five? I'm really not. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really not. Like I know, I know everyone who says that they, that, uh, everyone who has used VR has said that they absolutely love it. Um, and, and it's one of those things that you have to see to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I, I, I'm not terribly excited. And two, I don't want to get excited because you know what happens if I get excited, I'm gonna buy it, right? And uh, and I don't even want to try it. Like it's 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 that it's to that point. Where I don't even want to try it. I will just take your word for it. Plus, you know, I want VR games to I, I want VR games to look like amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I want them to I want them to I want to I want to be in the Matrix if I if I if I enter VR. So. I'm going to hold out for just a little bit longer unless it's like ridiculously cheap. Right? Oh, it's it's not going to be. I can't imagine exactly. it's going to come out less than $400, which is what the right. original PS4 released. If it was like $200, then I would have to buy it, right? right. Just on principle, right? But but be, I'm setting that bar. I'm setting the price point for me that low because I know it's never going to happen. It's, VR continues to be the ultimate cart horse situation in the video game world where VR, like you need to buy the VR so they'll make the awesome games for it. But at the same time, there's not really a lot of sense in buying the VR until more people are making awesome games for it. Like that, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a cycling problem uh, that I don't see any real break from unless major AAA developers start putting significant, VR features into their games and I just can't see them allocating the development resources um, to doing that for what is ultimately still a niche product. I mean, PlayStation five at this point has sold, you know, well over a hundred million units. And I think in terms of uh, uh, PS4 rather, and I think in terms of PlayStation VR sold, uh, they're sitting right around like probably 5 million at this point. And you're, you're just not going to get AAA developers carrying like catering to 3% of an install base. They're just not. Um, so unfortunately it's, it's one of those things that's doomed to be a niche product with some amazing stuff, but also very high, uh, barrier of entry in terms of cost. 
So, yeah. um, do you think? Do you think that we will ever get, you know, a, a VR console? Right. Like, if you look back at at technology, mm-hmm. um, video game technology over the past forty years, like we've come a very long way, and a lot of that is due to technological advancements from you know other sources that mm-hmm. allow video games to be these you know multi-million dollar productions mm-hmm. um but for some reason i don't see vr ever getting there mm-hmm. I, I i you know it's like it's like 3d right like it, it like 3d in the 80s with the red and blue lenses right and then 3d came back and it's better sure but you know, it just kind of went away. And then you can have 3D at home. And and dummies like me bought a 3D TV thinking, oh, bro, this is going to be amazing. Um, and But, you know, it doesn't, it didn't really catch on. And I think mm. VR is going to be like that. But do you, I mean, uh, your optimistic hat on, do you think VR is ever going to kind of kind of push through? I I really, I just don't think so. I be because it's again like 3D is almost easy to what was almost easy to do. Like a ton of PlayStation games had for PS3 had 3D features in them because all you're doing in 3D is you're essentially superimposing the same image on top of itself twice or you're or you're running two images simultaneously on the screen. Um and that didn't even catch on because you have to have a special TV and you have to have these glasses and you have to do this and they have to be charged and all this other stuff. And VR is in the same boat where, again, the, the, the technology is great. It works really well. Like I've used PlayStation VR. Um, it works as advertised. It's, it's great. Um, but again, w- the software is what sells hardware. That's, that's been true of gaming forever. And it's going to be true of gaming for, until the end of time. Like hardware by itself will not sell itself. It just doesn't work that way unless you have something to play it on. And again, not that there aren't great games on VR – but they're very niche games that that cater specifically to VR that are developed specifically for VR. And then you might get lucky and get like a No Man's Sky where you can play the entire game in VR or, you know, something of that caliber. Um, but again, you're not seeing Call of Duty playable in VR. You're not seeing Madden playable in VR or NBA 2K playable in VR. And that's that's what it will take to get VR into the mainstream. You got you got to get a mainstream game that caters to it. And I just don't see that happening in any significant way. Not 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 anything more than like a spin-off mode in a game as 2K has done in the past. Right. So, yeah. Couple other things that Jim Ryan talked about um in this GQ article was the fact that Gran Turismo has been delayed into 2022 to the surprise of literally nobody who's followed the development of any Gran Turismo game ever. Uh, and they also talked about them releasing uh, – the, they're, they're going to continue releasing some games directly into PlayStation Plus um, a la Fall Guys and a la uh, Destruction All-Stars because they feel like for some independent games that that is definitely uh, a, a better way to to get that product out there in some way. Do you um, do you think people that play Gran Turismo – like there are, there are car people, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are car people who love video games and 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 love like all the intricacies and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I I find it a little difficult to be, to to believe that people are appreciating all the work that goes into a Gran Turismo game. 
I think the people that are into Gran Turismo are really into Gran Turismo. And okay. and they and they do appreciate it. I mean, the game sells incredibly well. It's much more popular in like Europe and Japan than it is in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that Forza probably sells better in the U.S., but that's also because the U.S. is mi- more Microsoft centric than the rest of the world is in terms of game consoles. But no, the, yeah. the, like the competitions they have and and the 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 following that Gran Turismo has, it is still a very popular game. Um, in certain circles. And yes, they do appreciate the work and the nuance and the, you know, stuff that most of us find incredibly tedious about Gran Turismo is like the stuff that those people fucking love about Gran Turismo. <laughs> I knew a guy, he had a, a custom setup, man. He had a, he loved Gran Turismo and he had a custom setup. He he had his gaming chair and then he he had a, a a monitor in front of him, and you know he built a dash, mm-hmm. and he had a steering wheel and and all that. And I was just like, "Wow, this is amazing." Um, I don't want to play it though, because because <laughs> that one time my sister deleted my memory card, oh. and I was just like, "Fuck this!" Yeah. I'm never touching this series again. Like I said, I I really enjoyed those games on on the original PlayStation. Um, I never really picked up the series too much after that. Um, but if I was going to get into any racing game, it would probably be that one. Cause I've tried Forza. Forza didn't really work. Like Need for Speed, it's got to be a really good one that just, ca- that just happens to catch me. But I, uh, I put some time into Gran Turismo way back in the day. Um, you know, that's how we all, we all listen to that Fat Boy Slim song, uh, <laughs> back, back when. <laughs> that one. Uh, Bungie has set their studio up for huge growth in 2021 with, Studio expansion uh, in terms of like physical space of the studio, uh, new investments in talent and new folks on their board. Uh, this is a press release that came out last week. So Bungie is apparently incre- expanding its uh, headquarters in Washington to over 200,000 square feet with a complete technical modernization and opening up an international office in 2022. Um, they've moved uh, Luke Smith and Mark Noseworthy. Uh, who were the leads on Destiny and Destiny 2 uh, onto a more like high-level role uh, where now Mark Noseworthy is the vice president of the Destiny universe and Luke Smith is the executive creative director of the Destiny universe to oversee and prepare for the expansion of the Destiny universe into additional media. Uh, and Justin Truman has taken over uh, running the development of the continuing development of Destiny 2. Um, they also announced a, a few folks coming in from outside the company and then some additions uh, to their board of directors, including Pamela Kaufman, who is the who was the or sorry, who is the president of global consumer products for Viacom, uh, which is not <laughs> not a small company uh, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, this is really interesting. To see uh, a company like Bungie broaden in this way, um, I it, it kind of frames the Activision split into a, a very it new, interesting new <laughs> perspective in yeah, a lot man. of ways as well. Um, but good on them. That's that's pretty cool, and I'd be interested to see what the what the expansion of the Destiny universe is going to look like. Uh, in terms get, of that, uh, so you're gonna get uh, SpongeBob in uh, in <laughs> Destiny. That's what that means. I don't know about that. So. <laughs> yeah, Vi- Viacom get it going insurgent uh, on the ground floor, basically. So. <laughs> SpongeBob will be playing Destiny. 
How about that? There you go. In the game, the game will be in SpongeBob. Or they'll make some sort of reference. I got the Galahorn. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. All right. (laughs) Uh, Micah, huge news. Huge news. Uh, Next month, we're getting the HD upgrade for Marvel's Avengers, as well as the addition of uh, Cole from Infamous to the game. I mean, Hawkeye. Hawkeye's coming to Marvel's (laughs) Avengers. Uh, look, Cole would actually make me want to play. (laughs) (laughs) So of course, if you own the PlayStation uh, four or Xbox one version of the game, you're going to get a free upgrade to the PS five or series uh, X version of Marvel Avengers. Uh, It's going to support up to 4k resolution and frame rates that are quote higher than the current. What does that mean? What does that mean? Oh, shit. Micah, is this uh, going to be enough to get you back into Marvel's Avengers? Let me tell you something. Um, uh, throwing a couple of uh, of archers in that game is not going to make me come back to it. It just <laughs> isn't. Um, hey, uh, they're sticking with it. Um, you kind of have to at this point, at least, at least for a year. Um, we'll see what it's like, uh, uh, next year, but, um, yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, the game was fun to play for a while. Um, there, I, I think they are, or they, they have implemented a story replay. So mm-hmm. you can actually replay the story again, um, along with all of this new content that they're providing. Um, I, I checked out the the war table because I was I skipped uh, the previous uh, I skipped the previous uh, update they had, mm-hmm. um, and I checked out this war table and I, they were like, "Here's another archer," and I'm like, "All right, well, uh, let me take a look." And it doesn't seem like they're 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 continuing the story, which I'm actually kind of interested in, but um, they're also just like adding one new area. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe you're still fighting uh, like a bunch of, I don't know if you're still fighting the the AIM robots, but this thing could have been, this thing could have been really, really great. And, um, and it just, it's, it's just kind of, it's just kind of sad. Like if you'd have focused on, you'd have focused on just creating your art instead of creating your, your cash cow. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, this game could have been something special, but like, cause it has all the, you know, it has the, it has good bones as they say on the various HGTV television shows. But, um, yeah, I, this ain't, this ain't bringing me back. This ain't bringing me back. I, I think everyone at this point is honestly just waiting for black Panther to see, <laughs> to see if yeah. that's, if that's, if that's going to get anyone re-excited. And again, people play it for a week and then. Leave it in the dust. I mean, you can basically get it for thirty bucks nowadays. Like, it's I feel like it's going on sale every other week. So, I guess if you ever wanted to try it, then I mean, it's worth the thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, don't 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 pay full price for this game. It, it, it's not worth it. But it's if you're like a really big Marvel fan, you'll you'll get some enjoyment out of it. Uh, we now enter the what's turning into the weekly politics section of the <laughs> the Dead Pixels podcast. So one of the um, one of the interesting phenomenon in 
world football and club football has been kind of the influx of a lot of uh, contingencies that are led – or I, I guess contingencies is not the right word. Consortiums is probably the better word. A lot of consortiums that are that were led by uh, like oil barons in like the Middle East, so like your United Arab Emirates and Qatar and Saudi Arabia and things of that nature, um, buying up majority stakes in a lot of football clubs around the world. And then just dumping a shitload of money in them to get be able to buy the best players and then win win lots of championships. Like that's basically what's happening in a lot of world football. Um, well, apparently the same thing is coming to a video game company near you uh, because the Saudi Public Investment Fund, which is basically the Saudi government's investment fund because the Saudi government controls pretty much all the oil in Saudi Arabia, uh, has picked up $3.3 billion dollars worth of shares in Activision Blizzard EA and take two uh, this past week or in the, rather in the fourth quarter of last year. So basically the, the 1.3 billion in shares of Activision Blizzard equates to about three and a half percent of the overall stake in the company. Uh, and the uh, 1 billion shares in EA uh, accounts for about 2.6% of the stakes in that company. And then another 825 million for take two, uh, which is about three and a half percent of take two's entire portfolio. So, Jesus. yeah. So look, look, look for, look for a lot of, uh, oil folks to be getting their money into video games because they see a profitable industry, uh, that will provide many returns on investment. I mean, I mean, yeah, this is uh this is actually kind of wild, man. Yeah. Uh um, I feel I feel also compelled to just remind everyone that Saudi Arabia, a country uh that still traffics in copious amounts of human rights violations, uh and who might have actually not might have, more than likely murdered a Washington Post journalist a couple of years ago and then dismembered his dead body. Uh which, you know, is a thing that happened. Yeah. Prince Salman is a noted video games fan who has previously said he enjoys Call of Duty, especially Call of Duty 4, when they took that one guy and they murdered him in first person because he, he uh, wow, yeah. And then he has also been blamed by the CIA for the assassination of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Um, God damn. Uh, I mean... I'm not going to stop playing those games though. No, I mean and and again it's it's if you if if you took such a high grounded moral stance on every single thing in the world then you just wouldn't partake in any fucking product that exists. I mean again yeah. 90% of what you of your goods are manufactured in another country with fucking terrible human rights violations and things of that <laughs> yeah. nature so it is what it is. Um but again still important to to note these things uh as we as we go along and as, as the world order uh, changes, essentially. Um, uh, China's doing China things again when it comes to video games. So there's a game called Capcom Arcade Stadium uh, that released. It has a compilation of very of classic Capcom Arcade games. One of those games is Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo is a video game uh, where one of the fighters is a gentleman by the name of Fei Long, who is, of course, a, a Bruce Lee allegory quite famously in street fighter. Uh, and he hails from the country of Hong Kong. Uh, now in super street fighter two turbo, typically, 
when you play when you choose Fei Long and you fly and you know you go to Hong Kong and you fight on his stage, uh, you see a picture of the Hong Kong flag, uh, which is where you fly to. But in the Chinese version, that's not what you see because they replaced it with a Chinese flag. <laughs> I mean, uh, wow. Um, yeah, I still want to visit China. I just, I just hope I never ever get stuck there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, is anybody surprised? No, you shouldn't. You- I mean, you, you shouldn't be unless you're unaware. Like, so, like for those that don't realize, um, Hong Kong is, uh, I, I, I guess it's considered technically a territory that was formerly. Uh, colonized and uh, controlled by the British because um, it was basically taken from the Chinese many, many years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it was returned to sovereignty uh, by the British in 1997, a plot point in Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, you can go back and listen to uh, the Men of the Golden Tongues podcast on Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, and and China tries to continue to maintain jurisdiction over Hong Kong despite the fact that Hong Kong is technically a sovereign nation. Um, you might recall over the past uh, year pre-COVID, a lot of Hong Kong resistance, um, protests uh, as they try to maintain a democratic society, which China is very much not. Um, but they're very sensitive about both the Hong Kong and, uh, Taiwanese flag as well, uh, being displayed in China, uh, for any reason. So this, this should not come as a surprise to anybody, but, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh is, uh, he's not fucking around. <laughs> he really isn't. Uh, in, in lighter news, um, politics wise. So the internet is mostly bad, but there's also some very good things on the internet. Uh, one of my new favorite things on the internet is a Twitter account that is at Violate Geneva. Uh, and at Violate Geneva, all they do is they catalog, uh, Geneva Convention violations. In video games. And if you think that all they do is focus on like first person shooter and military games and war games, that that's to be expected. But did you know, Micah, that in Diablo three, you can violate article 28 of the Hague regulations, which prevents the pillage of towns or places, even when taken by assault is at all. Like you can't do that. But in Diablo three, you can. Congratulations. You just violated the Geneva conventions. Uh, Play Splatoon 2? Surely Splatoon 2, a game about fictional squids shooting paint at each other, can't violate the Geneva Conventions. Au contraire, because in Splatoon 2, you can violate the Environmental Modification Convention, which prohibits weather manipulation. Because they have that one that one uh, accessory that you can make it rain your team's paint color uh, onto the battlefield. Uh, Uncharted 4? Of course, Dave the Drake has violated the Geneva Conventions. Oh, Come on. I mean, he's damn near a war criminal. Article 8, subsection 2 of the Rome Statute of 1998 classifies the international destruction of cultural heritage as a war crime. <laughs> so, yes, Dave the Drake is literally a war criminal. Uh, and Mike, as Micah pointed out, um, <laughs> His favorite tweet on this thread, uh, considering that the upcoming Six Days in Fallujah revival, which we talked about last week, uh, is set to be an authentic depiction of the Iraq War, we can assume that you will be able to violate the Geneva Conventions in it. 
You can violate Article 77 of Additional Protocol 1 to the Geneva Conventions. Parties must ensure children under 15 years old do not partake in hostilities <laughs> in Bowser's Fury because there's Bowser Jr. And he's obviously a baby. <laughs> um, this is a fun little read. It's a good, it's a good follow. I, I highly encourage you uh, to follow this Twitter account uh, because I'm sure it's only going to get funnier as time goes along as it's picked up steam in the wake of the Vice article that brought it to my attention. <laughs> oh, my God. You can violate Article 17 of the third Geneva Convention, physical torture against prisoners in Super Mario 64, and they have the thing where you can manipulate Mario's big face. <laughs> <laughs> so finally in the news um we finally have found it i i have been wondering what it's going to take to finally get micah to to play no man's sky a game that we've been after him to play for almost the last five years now that he has sworn off and the most recent update finally is bound to get micah back in the game because now you can breed alien life forms as pets in the new companions update that came is to that no what this is? Is that, I didn't look. Is that what this That's is? That's what this is. <laughs> Micah, you can have a space dog now. I know yeah. that this is going to get you into No Man's Sky. Guaranteed. Come on, man. Uh, look. <laughs> can, I, can I have a space dog and then shoot it and put it out the pasture? Because <laughs> maybe. No, dude, get out of here! All right, all right. Uh, I was, I was very curious to be what to see what this is because I'm like, come on, man, get get out of here. Yeah, no, no, thank you, no, thank you. I don't know why this game exists. Uh, you you will need to care for your companions over a long period of time in order to win their trust. Uh, while you're exploring, they can they can assist you in a number of ways, including scouting for resources and buildings, digging up minerals and special items, hunting other creatures, and marking hazards. Uh, they'll act with their own AI, Micah. You can also uh, give them uh, quick menu commands, much like in Mass Effect. You can tell your tell your squad what to do and and and, and things of that nature, basically like Mass Effect in space, for all intents don't, and purposes. Don't ever, don't ever compare No Man's Sky to Mass Effect again. <laughs> just just don't do it. <laughs> so yeah, so that so that's in uh that's in No Man's Sky um right now. So yeah, you can get wow. pets. That's good. Uh look, I will say uh I will give it to this game. Uh it's not dead. Um f- far from it. And uh, you know, congratulations to them and to the people that like this game. Um there's no way I'm ever touching this game. Like, it, even if I, even if I was curious, which I'm not, because I, I just find this to be, uh, I, I find this to be tedious. My life is already tedious. I don't need to, I don't need to, to hop into a virtual version of my boring ass life. Um, but uh, no, man, no, I got, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Go to uh, go to when you <laughs> go to go to dense slash Amazon for all of your Amazon purchases. Uh, what was the last thing I purchased from dense slash Amazon? I bought myself uh, a Marvel Legends action figure. Yeah. 
My, Shock. I told you mine was Twilight Imperium 4. So I, I got I got I got a little rebate on Twilight Imperium 4. <laughs> <laughs> when you go to densepixels.com slash Amazon for all your Amazon purchases, uh you you help out the show in the most uh lackadaisical way possible. Uh but we will take it. Uh, go to <laughs> densepixels.com slash Amazon. All right. Well, now, now I'm going to uh, cast Micah to the side and uh, yeah, bring gonna, in. I'll, I'll be back. I'm going to walk out of the room. Right. Yes. And then Carrie's going to come in. Yeah. And then and then but because Carrie and I, we got beef and we don't want to be in the same room with each other. So it's going to be really weird when we pass like two ships in the night. That must be what it is. Here comes Carrie. So uh, totally shifting gears, uh, bringing in Carrie to talk hey. about the uh, the. Nintendo Direct that was snuck up on us uh, last week. Uh, Nintendo announced the day before that they were doing a proper Nintendo Direct for the first time in over one year. Uh, And, of course, speculation uh, went rampant. (laughs) And, uh, well, let's see what we got out of this thing here. Um, In no discernible order, uh, a lot of ports in this uh in this direct presentation. Uh unsurprising. Yeah, no, it it shouldn't be at this point with the Switch. Uh Fall Guys, uh the the sensation of late last summer finally coming to the Nintendo Switch this coming summer, uh along with the Xbox family of consoles as well. Um cool. That's if you fun. yeah if you don't have a PC or a PlayStation, uh you can check out Fall Guys and see what all the what all the hubbub's been about. <laughs> I thought this was already on Switch. That's so they were what like, a lot of people said. Switch, and I was like, <laughs> I. <laughs> That's what a lot of folks said. Yeah. So we got that coming. Uh, Famicom Detective Games. Uh, you can uncover yeah. the deadly truth in some detective games. from The uh, Famicom from Detective Club, which are two games mm-hmm. from the year that I was born. <laughs> have, been, um, have been remastered. Yeah. It's kind of cool. The Famicom detective club um it's an uh like a text adventure mm-hmm. from the original famicom disc system um from actually the first one came out before i was born <laughs> 88 and 89 oh wow um yeah but um yeah i mean i i think it's i think it's cool um these are by these were written by the guy who eventually went on to um direct Metroid. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, it's it's one of these like weird little pieces of Nintendo history and like I was actually really excited about these once mm-hmm. I like realized what they were and I'm like, cool, neat. Like I'll probably play these. I like a good, you know, mystery murder. Yeah, adventure game. I have to imagine that if you're a fan of like the Zero series and and things of that nature, um, yeah. that this might be this might be up your alley. So, um, a nice stealth release. Uh, I feel like we've talked a lot about Monster Hunter Rise. Yeah, uh, but already. we got more of it. We got in, more in this direct. Um, they showed off more monsters that hadn't been revealed yet, um, and they showed off a little bit of how the uh, rampage, which seems to be the sort of central event that you are trying to prevent or otherwise stave off how how the rampage will work and boy howdy it looks like the rampage is them just like yeeting all of the monsters (laughs) at you all at once (laughs) but there's like an alpha among the monsters he's like a souped up version of of the regular monster and so that's i don't know it's interesting 
Is there they're, is they're there a large to throw new challenges at you? So like my my experience with the Monster Hunter franchise is literally the two hours of Monster Hunter World that I played. Is is there a dearth of experience difference between like that Monster Hunter and what we're going to see out of Monster Hunter Rise, or is it very much a similar thing? Uh, it feels like it's going to be a similar thing, and that's just based on my experience with the demo because mm-hmm. um, I I did play a little bit of the demo. Um, it feels pretty similar. The whole wire bug thing that they've uh, introduced to allow you to get a pretty significant degree of verticality in these environments. Um, that's new. Um, yeah. I mean, I haven't like, I'm going to play it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, of, of all the games on this list, uh, you'll probably hear the most about that one in future yeah. episodes. I would and that imagine. comes out in just about a month from Very today. Good. So uh, now I feel, I feel always feel mm-hmm. bad for you. Uh, when these when these games come along, because I'm sure you saw like Camelot mm-hmm. pop on the screen, and and a small part of you, even even though logically your brain, your logic brain was like, I know Golden Sun Four, it's probably never happening. There's a little part of you that always probably gets excited deep down. I, I, I still have that faint <laughs> ember of hope within me. <laughs> uh, but no, we're getting Mario Golf Super Rush, which you know. I have historically enjoyed the Mario sports games that Mm -hmm. Camelot has developed. The Mario golf games are fun. Very fun. We haven't had a over tennis. Yeah, we we haven't had a console. We haven't had a console version of Mario golf since 2003 on the GameCube. Holy shit. It's been that long. Yeah. And the last one that I can recall ever actually coming out uh, was the GBA Mario golf, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, which I think would have been like an 05, which was great by the way. I love I love that game. I played the hell out of it. Yeah, so um Camelot started developing the Mario Golf games with the one on N64. Mm-hmm. And then they have since done a Mario Golf Toadstool Tour, which was on the GameCube mm-hmm. 2003, and then you had Advance Tour in 04 and Mario Golf World Tour for the 3DS. And that's I didn't even play World. I didn't yeah, play with the three. I didn't play so. World Tour. Um, now we get Super Rush. Yeah, and, here's here's um, the thing though. So I I'm I would normally be all about this. Um, I love me some non simulation golf games. Uh, Hot Shots Golf, one of my favorite series of all time. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, I don't really want to play as my me. Yeah, I gotta say. I mean, for I mean, obviously, you don't have to play as your me. So they're they're introducing a story mode, mm-hmm. which Mario Golf I don't think has seen since the N sixty four version. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. And I am taking the fact that the me shown in the trailer had the name Mia as a Golden Sun Easter egg because <laughs> there's a character named Mia because in we Sun. have to cling to whatever. Kernel of hope that we possibly <laughs> yeah. can. Yep. Um, just barely holding on by a shred of my remaining sanity. Um, no, I mean, I'm I'm going to play this. You know, I'm excited for a new Mario Golf game on console. Um, it's the first new Mario Golf game in eight years. So I really hope it's better than tennis because tennis actually turned out to be quite a disappointment. I thought tennis was... Okay. Like the gameplay was good. The like the actual playing of the tennis was good. Um yeah. there just wasn't Aces. a lot to do in the yeah, game. Yeah, Aces had like 
flashes of brilliance. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, once it's one of these things where it's like you you'll play a few matches and then you're just like, all right, now what do I do? Right. Yeah. Right. So, like but I said, look, hoping for better I, things here. I wish Camelot all of the success in the world. However, <laughs> I hope that Nintendo lets them make another RPG. <laughs> what if they don't want to make another RPG? What if they're like, this is what we like to do is just make Mario sports games at this point. I mean, that's what makes them money because Golden Sun Dark Dawn sure as shit <laughs> did not make them money. <laughs> so I get it. Um but yeah, I mean, look, we'll see. Fingers eternally crossed yeah. for Hey, I I did my part to make Dark Dawn a success. Damn it. So <laughs> <laughs> uh No More Heroes three. Uh we got to see some some gameplay from this one. It's finally coming out uh later this summer, which I'm sure Micah would be very, very excited about. Uh, we got a trailer for DC Superhero Girls Teen Power. Uh, we're definitely not the target audience for this game. so No. However, yeah. like I, I think it's important to understand because I saw a lot of people online being like, well, what is this shit? And I'm like, it's not for you. Right. Like, doesn't have to be either. Like, it's fine. No, this, it's I fine. It's good that this exists. I have a five-year-old so. daughter who's like, oh, I'm excited to play this game with my kid because she's getting into video games and she really likes the DC Superhero Girls franchise. And I'm like, good. That's the audience. So <laughs> Correct. Uh, speaking of games that we are also not the target audience for, mm. uh, Miitopia apparently was so successful on the 3DS uh, that they're bringing a version of it to the Nintendo Switch. I don't know if this is a new Miitopia game or if this is the 3DS version redone. I think, I think it's this new. is the 3DS version redone. Oh, really? Um, okay. But with new customization options and some various other upgrades and whatnot, it's a enhanced port. I played a little. I didn't buy Metopia. Mm-hmm. I played a little bit of it. Um, but I mean, look, that game's funny as shit. Um, there are a lot of people who really, really enjoyed Metopia, much like how they really enjoyed like Tomodachi Life mm-hmm. and just having fun with me's. And it's like, cool. Yeah. All the more power to you. Uh, they showed off some of the Super Mario collaboration items that are coming to Animal Crossing, uh, next month. Uh, they're all pretty good. I, I, that's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, I've sort of stopped playing Animal Crossing. Look, I understand. I mean, it's been out for a year. I, you know, how many hundred of hours did you put into it? Probably a lot. Yeah. So. It starts to feel like a chore. It can. Also, it's like you, at least with New Horizons, like. You hit that wall of like, all right, well, you can't upgrade the shop anymore because there's only the one shop upgrade and they didn't put like the cute little police station in and they didn't put the coffee shop in. And like it feels it feels very lacking in terms of content. Um, So I got to wait for them to do a big time content dump in that game for me to go back at this point. The game that I am most interested in uh, that they showed off. Has the stupidest fucking name. Of course. Well, so so Project Triangle Strategy uh, was announced. And you might think, well, surely that's just a code name. But then again, we also thought Project Octopath Traveler was just a code name as well. And then that just ended up being Octopath Traveler just ended up being the name of the game that came out from I the studio. I have a problem with the name Octopath Traveler, though. Well, it, so, but Triangle Strategy also makes sense in this game for what they're doing, like a three-headed, 
it's 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 literally a strategy game with three different sects or houses in it. So huh. there's that. Um, mm-hmm. It's so funnily, I don't really. As, even though I play a lot of board games, um, I don't particularly. Or I, I should say I haven't found a turn-based strategy game um, that really works for me that I like a lot. Uh, I, I off note, and, and you guys heard me talk about this earlier in the episode. Uh, I did start playing Civ Six uh, okay. recently, which I've which I've enjoyed so far. Um, and this this demo looked interesting to me. Um, like I've never gotten into Disgaea. I couldn't get into Fire Emblem. I, maybe it's the art style because I think that so far this studio has, you know, Octopath Traveler was gorgeous. Uh, this game looks equally so. If you like that, uh, you know, that SNES Plus uh, art style that yeah. they've used on the game so far. There's a demo available right now on the Switch if you want if you want to check it out. So you guys can download it and see if it would be something that you would be uh, that you'd be into. Yeah, um, I haven't played the yeah. demo yet. Um, Nor have I. I have been. Far too busy playing Persona Strikers to worry about looking at my Switch. Because <laughs> um, I'm playing Persona Strikers on PC. It is available on Switch, though. Um, but yeah, like, Triangle Strategy looks really good. Um, I've been a fan of turn-based strategy RPGs for a long time. Um, hopefully the, hopefully the, uh, the story is a little bit more engaging than Octopath's ugh. Travelers was. Octopath Traveler, another game that just had these like flashes of brilliance. Yeah. Just weren't really taken to their necessary conclusion. But look, for for a first effort, very not bad. Wasn't this the same people who did Bravely Default? Was it? I don't think so. I thought it was a new studio. I thought it was a new studio that did uh that did those games. Because they're not doing Bravely Default too. Hmm. Right? I don't know. I think it's the same like group within. Square well, I mean, it's Enix. all ma- it's all made by Square Enix, so who the hell knows what development team it actually is. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so we got that to look forward to uh, later on. I think it's coming out next year sometime, if I'm not mistaken, the full release. So, uh, that sounds right. Yeah, because at least particularly with like this crew of Square Enix developers, because they did the same thing with Bravely. They're mm-hmm. like, here's a super fucking early demo. Play it. Give us feedback so that we know what to change before the retail release comes, whenever the hell that comes out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, chances are people will play the demo and then eight months from now, they'll be like, thank you for playing the demo. Here's here's what we did based on your feedback. Right. Um, which is which great, actually, by the way. I fucking. Yeah. More that. more yeah. game developers should probably do that instead of using instead of using betas, which is what they are, essentially, instead of yeah. using betas as pre-order marketing tools. Uh, maybe actually use it to, you know, get feedback in the systems of the game that need improved on, which is what betas are supposed to be for, technically. Weird yeah. concept. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'll check out the demo of this, and I'll see if it's something that I would be interested to play uh, more of when it releases. Uh, we got a very small teaser for a game called Star Wars Hunters that we had no idea. Very small Right. Teaser. Like, like there was more information in the VO that happened after the trailer was over than there was in the trailer. It's a multiplayer Star Wars game for Switch. Uh that that thing sounds like an oxymoron of 80s sorts. Synth wave looking logo. It is a very synth wave looking logo. So you got that to look forward to uh, if you're a big Star Wars fan and you like playing multi online multiplayer games on your Switch. So very good. Yep. Uh, they announced the expansion pass that's going to be coming out for Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity, uh, which is going to have some new characters and, uh, really and new enemies to fight. This. Yeah. 
I really looked forward um, to this announcement. So like, I'm, I'm glad that, that this announcement was made. Um, we are getting two waves of DLC for Hyrule Warriors, the expansion pass, um, which is only going to be 20 bucks, which I think is fair. Um, we'll add an expanded roster of characters, new weapon types, new challenges, um, different enemy types, and then uh, wave two will add um, stages and new character vignettes and additional characters there as well. So mm-hmm. based on the piece of key artwork that they released for the expansion pass, I would assume that Robbie and Pura are going to be made playable Um I was really bummed when Pura was not playable in the base game. So I'm I'm hoping she becomes playable. Um other than that, I really hope they make Suga, who's your uh your Giga clan thick boy. Mm-hmm. Um I, I really hope they make him playable since uh playing as Master Koga was a delight. And uh I need more of these dumb banana boys to be <laughs> <laughs> to be playable. So, uh, I know I said we weren't going to skip around. We're going to save these next two until the the end okay. of this segment. Uh, Knockout City is a third person uh, dodgeball battle royale game. Um, can we? Well, it looks like it's three on three. Oh, is, the, is it a team based? Okay, I don't think it's a battle royale. I think it's it the the way that this trailer looks. It's it looks like three on three. It's it's EA. Uh, they're the ones that came out with that like like rocket arena game, which is basically like battle royale, but everyone has rocket launchers. I'm, I'm just I'm like, I'm kind of tired of people trying to find the next Fortnite, the next apex legends, like the next rocket league. Like, can we just focus on new and exciting things instead of just trying to reverse engineer? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what makes those games successful? Um, that'd be fantastic. Uh, the Ninja Gaiden Master Collection is coming out for the Nintendo Switch. So if you've, if you instead of, you know, while you're waiting for Bayonetta 3 to come out, uh, if you instead <laughs> uh, want to play several uh, very difficult third-person action games uh, that are as old as 17 years old at this point, uh, then you can check out the Ninja Gaiden Master Collection. I have no, I have no qualms with Ninja Gaiden. Ninja, uh, Ninja Gaiden 2 is... Uh, infamous, of course, on the Dense Pixels podcast for being uh, a game that Terrence literally uh, shoved a knife through. That's at one point. So wow, yeah, because he because he beat it on Master Ninja difficulty, and he felt <sighs> after he conquered the game, he he needed to kill it. Uh, I, I understand. Mean, that's fair. <laughs> I uh, my only exposure to these because these are the three D Ninja Gaiden games. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I played the 2004 Ninja Gaiden um, on the Xbox probably shortly after that game came out when I was uh, babysitting and they had an Xbox in the house and kid went to bed and I just played Ninja Gaiden until his parents got home and I was not good at that game. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we had the expected, well, I shouldn't say it was expected. We had the Smash Brothers announcement. We figured there yeah. was going to be a Smash Brothers announcement. Um, of course, you both, you and Micah both speculated that it would be uh, Leon Kennedy, which was a good guess, especially with all the news and, and hubbub about, around Resident Evil. Guess. Yeah, I think it was we're, a terrific we're in guess. A, a big anniversary year for Resident Evil, right? You know? Yeah. Uh, instead, 
we got uh, Pyra. Oh, no one fucking asked for. Yeah, from what, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, correct? Correct. Yeah. So it's a wonder that I even know that, honestly. Because if you'd asked me before this Nintendo Direct who Pyra was, I would have shrugged my shoulders. Yep. Um, so. I have not played Xenoblade 2. Here it's very good. Um, man, I, I gave the Switch port of the first Xenoblade Chronicles, I, I gave that like a good old-fashioned varsity try, and I just couldn't fucking get into it. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful game. The story's really cool. Music is beautiful. Um, the environments are great. It's it's a by all means it's a it's a good game. Um, but I just can't get into that battle system, man. Yeah. But hey, I mean, good good for the Xenoblade fans for getting uh, another character rep in in Smash. Um, she she looks like she'll be fun to play. Uh, they showed a trailer off for a. Uh, remake of legend of mana yeah which is looking good i don't know if i'm it's something i'd be into but it looks it looks pretty um apparently someone really wanted stubs the zombie to come back so stubs the zombie rebel without a pulse yeah um it sure looks like a port of an xbox game man yeah that was like like i said rebel without a pulse is the um the kind of the kind of subtitle that you would get from games from approximately 1996 to 2005 (laughs) um the industry was full of those like every like like the only everyone had to be fucking cute right the the only the only ones that did it well were the ratchet and clank games those are the that, only ones yeah. that, that, mm-hmm. that, that did that successfully. Everyone they, like, sucked. nailed the double entendre every single time. Yes. Um, but, uh, yep. but yeah, so there's that. All right, so I'm doing these in, in reverse order of showcase because the, 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 the one that I'm going to close with I just found hilarious. Um, they showed a trailer off for Splatoon 3. Yeah. Which, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I mean, we all figured Splatoon was coming. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone's surprised by the fact that there's a, a new Splatoon game that's coming out soon. Um, so yeah, so they show that off. It looks like uh, that it takes place in like a post-apocalyptic setting, which is it's odd. Like Splatoon was post-apocalyptic to begin with, but now it's like fuck France specifically. <laughs> <laughs> So like the Eiffel Tower right. down in the background. Like 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 it starts in like a wasteland. Um which is which is interesting. Uh which is also weird too, because I like one of the things I really liked about Splatoon uh in the single player content was the kind of like uh like the futuristic style stages that they had, uh which yeah. were pretty neat looking. Um I like Splatoon. Uh I don't know that I'm gonna necessarily run out and buy Splatoon three uh right away when it comes out. I probably will, and I only say that because I have a lot of friends who I know I'm going to be able to team up with, like, mm-hmm. off the bat, so. So, we'll see. Uh, probably will be out next year, I think, is what they said. Yeah, they said uh, 2022, so. So, before the Splatoon announcement, um, one thing we also figured that we were going to be getting was a, a bunch of uh, Zelda news, because, of course, it is Zelda's 35th anniversary, <laughs> Uh, they they did roll out the red carpet for for Mario's 35th anniversary last year uh, with all kinds of cool ports and and things of that nature and re-releases of Super Mario 3D World and all that kind of stuff and and a battle royale Mario game and all sorts of things and and so they they bring out they bring out uh, Ag uh, Anuma who's the producer of the of the Zelda franchise and he's. Li- <laughs> 
he comes out and he's like, I bet you want to hear about Breath of the Wild 2. Nope, I'm not talking about Breath of the Wild 2 today. You know what I am going to talk about today? Skyward Sword. Like, you could be like, like, you could have that conversation without, like, getting people's hopes up for a split second. You could be like, hey, unfortunately, we don't have any Breath of the Wild 2 news to share with you today. But no, he's like, I bet you think this is why I'm here. And you're like, yeah, I do. And he's like, well, you're wrong. Sorry. Nope. <laughs> but allow me to do the traditional Nintendo, uh, the the forgiveness please bow. Right. Uh, to to show you how, right, to show how sorry we are that I just trolled the shit out of you 15 seconds ago. Um, but yes, they did, they did show off uh, a trailer uh, for Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. HD, uh, the final Zelda game uh, that hasn't been touched, well, I should say console Zelda game that hasn't been touched uh, with a remaster up to this point. Uh, I forgot that Twilight Princess got remastered on the Wii U because, Mm -hmm. I mean, it came out on the Wii U, so who who could be expected to remember such a thing? Um, (laughs) So, yeah. So, yeah, so they they showed off this trailer. Um, It's Skyward Sword. It looks much prettier. Uh, it is going to use the Nintendo Switch Joy-Con motion controls, uh, which everyone had a little bit of a mini freak out until they also confirmed at the end of the trailer that you could also <laughs> just use a regular gamepad as well. No, I was like, oh, Numa, please do not make us <laughs> use the Joy-Cons. Right. And he's like, ah, oh, you can use the gamepad. Um, like, the thing about Skyward Sword is so much of the combat is based around moving the sword in a particular fashion. Mm-hmm. So in order to do that, you will now just use the right thumbstick to direct which way the sword goes. Right. Fine. Yeah. Should have let us do that to begin with. Um, it's it's but, fine. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little put off at how stiff the animations are in this mm-hmm. trailer that they showed off. So like in Twilight Princess, like Twilight Princess had motion controls. For the Wii as well. But that was in like Wii 1.0 before like they had the one-to-one movement. So really like you swinging the sword was more akin to just pressing a button except you were swinging a sword instead. Yeah. Um, I – but so – but because of that, the animations in Twilight Princess were normal Zelda animations that were very fluid. Even when you're using the controller, like Link still – is doing like I am swinging my sword like a robot. Like it's kind of it's yeah. kind of odd to me. Um, I don't know. We've also still got like five months before this releases, right? So, so they might be able to clean it up a little to bit. Smooth that out. Um, um, I never I played know. Skyward I'll play Sword. Skyward Sword again. Yeah, um, I, I never have played it. It's one of the few console Zeldas uh, that I have not played, uh, and so I would I would probably check it out. I think the rest of us would have much preferred. Like another Wind Waker remaster, but again, they did remaster Wind Waker. It just came out on the system that you didn't buy. So, yep. <laughs> uh, look, uh, Skyward Sword has a, a really lovely story and um, music, and and an interesting world. And uh, I think I played about a third of it mm-hmm. on the Wii when it came out. Um, so it was like really the last one of the last big first party releases on. Oh, it came out Wii. super late on the Wii. Yeah, it was yes. 2011. Yeah. Um, and then I believe the Wii U came out in 2012. 2012. Yes. So, look, I 
I'm looking forward to playing it again and hopefully finishing it this time. Um, I I think I think it looks good. I mean, yes, the the sword swinging animations look a little a little jank, um, but aside from that, I, th- I think it looks good. Um, and so. and the and the point was made by a lot of Zelda fans that you would not have had Breath of the Wild, or probably wouldn't have had it in the same way if Skyward Sword didn't exist, because a lot of the mechanics from Skyward Sword made their way into Breath of the Wild, but in a much more uh, evolved fashion, refined yeah. way. Yes. So yeah, so. Uh, I I think it'll be great. Um, I I hope more people play it. it. I mean, of course, it's not like people didn't play Skyward Sword. Um, yeah, I just. I don't know. I I think I think it's good. I mean, I sort of said that they were going to do this. <laughs> like, you know, th- this was not surprising for me for them to be like reporting Skyward Sword. Like, of course you are. Um, so, yep. Yeah. I mean, I I hope we get more Zelda news later in the year. Just in general, um, it, it mean, would I, it would be nice if they didn't just completely you know shit on. The second most popular franchise in the history yeah. of, of of their game company. <laughs> so but yeah, this this yeah. whole uh the the thing that I said when we were uh watching this presentation together on the Dense Pixels Discord, uh is that this whole presentation could have been an email. Um yeah. is it our fault that we got our expectations up with Nintendo being like, hey, it's the first time we've done a legit direct since 2019? Yes, it is. At the same time, if you're going to drop that on us, I feel like you need to be coming a little bit harder uh, than what you came with. Like, like if if honest, like if Skyward Sword HD um, is the the thing the the pinnacle thing to show off, and I know it wasn't last, like Splatoon three was technically last, but that game's not coming out till next year. Like if that was if that was the high point of your presentation, I don't necessarily think you had a great presentation. Yeah. So. Um, a lot of people were like, why isn't there any Pokemon news? And I'm like, because they're going to fucking save it for this week because the anniversary date for Pokemon is uh, Friday. Right. Or they'll just do it like they have no problem doing a Pokemon direct. Like they'll right. they'll just fucking do that by itself. Like, the they thing. Don't, yeah. You know what? We're probably going to see a tweet from them on fucking Wednesday or Thursday morning being like, join us on Friday for a special Pokemon direct. And we're going to get a shit ton of fucking Pokemon news at that point. Yeah. So. So. Well, thank you very much for uh, for joining me to break down the Nintendo uh, Direct presentation. Now I need to see if I can find Micah again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry I couldn't be there for the rest of the episode because uh, I have band practice <laughs> to play my video game music. So uh, I might be scarce on the actual episodes for a few weeks, but I'll be around. There. Well, we'll talk to you later on. Thanks. Thanks. Boy, I just, I, I mean, I i don't, um, just carries just blah, 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 Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo. That's what I'm assuming. Uh, uh, oh, 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 you did, you weren't listening to the presentation as we were talking? Uh, no, because Carrie and I got beef. Oh, that's right. So, that's what, that's what so you said. I don't even want to hear a voice anymore. So yeah, we so again, Carrie and I talked about the Nintendo Direct in your absence. Uh, did you have any any smoldering hot takes uh, from the Nintendo Direct? Uh, the the mildest of all Nintendo Directs. Yeah, this this <laughs> this really didn't do much uh, for me. Um, uh, you know, I guess Mario Golf. I guess 
Um, I don't know about playing as my me though in Mario Golf, as I, as I mentioned while Carrie was here. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I assume, I assume, I wouldn't know because Carrie and I got beat, <laughs> and and we didn't, we we don't, I don't want to hear a voice. Um, I know they had to be pretty upset when uh, the dude from Zelda came on and was like, "Hi." I bet you <laughs> I bet you're expecting some Breath of the Wild 2 stuff, huh? Well, too bad, because I'm not here uh, to, to talk about that. Sorry. I was just like, yo, like, you ain't had to do it's all that. It's a bitch move. Like, what a bitch move. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. Um, yeah, there's not much from this direct. The only thing that I was interested in was Triangle Strategy, Project Triangle Strategy. Um which is uh, something that I've been looking forward to for a vi- not not this particular game, but a a a Square Enix um, uh, tactical RPG is something that I've been looking forward to uh, since War for the Lions. Yeah, I must say I, 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 I didn't even I didn't even think about that aspect. Is that people have been dying for uh, an, a follow up to like Final Fantasy Tactics, and I don't necessarily think that this is going to be the Final Fantasy Tactics sequel. Um, but to see a, another turn-based strategy game coming from Square after such a long time, um, I'm sure is going to excite many people. Assuming the game is good, let's hope it, let's hope it doesn't suck ass. Yeah, let's let's. I mean, like, you know, the the bait, the uh, the demos out now, and uh, they're actually treating the demo like a demonstration, and they're taking feedback from it. Uh, yeah, we we because... t- we. I wanted. I'm glad you brought that up because Carrie and I did talk about uh, your your takes on. Uh, a company taking the revolutionary step of using a beta for the thing that a beta is supposed to be used for instead of a, as a tool to drive pre-orders to your game. Uh, I respect it. Uh, I really do. Um, I, but I also like, I'm so conditioned now that, <laughs> that, you know, a demo means the game's coming out next month, right? The, like I played the, I played the Guilty Gear Strive beta uh, and you know, I'm excited for it and all, but you know, I'm excited, but like, yeah, it's coming out next month. Like, all right, whatever. I can wait. Or, or in like a month and a half, I can wait. Um, this is coming out in 2022, man. <laughs> like, like on the one hand, I want to play it. Right. Cause it looks awesome. But on the other hand, like, I don't want to play it because I'm not going to get a chance to play <laughs> the actual game. Um, but no, I respect it. it it's, it's what should be it's what should be done it's 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 early access uh uh or what have you so i'm I, it's better than early access because you don't have to buy the game first yeah yeah that's right that's right so uh i think this is i think this is a uh, i it's a good sign for this game uh that they're taking it seriously that they that they actually want to get feedback and this tells me that this game is going to be amazing Excellent. Excellent. Uh, not excellent. Uh, according to iFixit, who is a uh, YouTuber who does uh, like basically breakdowns of hardware whenever like a new iPhone or, you know, iPad comes out, they, they basically take it apart to kind of take a look at the internal components, see how easy it is to repair, that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's actually a really cool channel. Um, well, they, they busted apart a DualSense, uh, DualSense controller for PlayStation 5 because – a lot of folks have already started to report uh, controller drift in their DualSense 5 controllers, which is very unfortunate. Um, according to iFixit, uh, the DualSense, as well as the DualShock 4, and all of the Xbox controllers as well, 
uh, basically use joystick hardware that is essentially off the shelf uh, and has a long history of predictable and preventable issues, uh, but they continue to use it. According to iFixit, uh, the components in the sticks could easily exceed their operating life in just over 400 hours of game time, uh, which is very unfortunate. Uh, we should not be shocked that companies that are producing uh, accessories on the scale that PlayStation and Microsoft produce their accessories on uh, to use cheaper parts because otherwise the cost of you know developing these things would be unwieldy. Um, but – I don't know about you, Micah. I'm pretty sure that if they could adequately like explain to me why it costs more to have a better controller in the box, I'd be perfectly comfortable paying more to have a better controller in the box for, for my game console. Yeah, I'm already um, – I mean I'm already paying a, a hefty sum. Another 50 bucks mm-hmm. and you just like – you just kind of add that in there, right? Mm-hmm. Like instead of, you know, it's 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 four forty nine, but you make a really big deal about this controller. Like, I I would accept it. Like I bought a um uh, uh what was that Pro controller for um for the previous generation Xbox, mm-hmm. and that thing's amazing. Now it's a hundred. It was like a hundred and fifty dollars, but um. But it was actually like it was it was one of the best controllers that I've ever played, right? Like mm-hmm. played with. Like they don't like it was a quality product. It had a nice heft to it. It didn't feel cheap. It was highly customizable. It was uh it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um and you can save yourself all this all this ill will and headache by doing it, you know. By by just creating something that it, I'm not saying it's got to be the elite controller's got to come right. standard, right? But uh, you know, just putting a little more, just putting a little more quality into it, I think wouldn't necessarily hurt. And just kind of hiding the money, just kind of hiding the cost into the into the price of the system. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're already operating at a loss, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just I don't understand it. So the the it's issue that pretty cool. I'm looking at this video. I've never seen a a a, a, a controller taken apart before. Well, it's, so it's so it's funny when I um when I had my C40 for PS4, my Astro controller. Um, I did take that apart somewhat because I needed to clean out the joystick, and so I got a little bit more intimately familiar with the the innards of a controller joystick. So the device that typically causes the issue when you get controller joystick drift is something called uh, a potentiometer. Um, which is something that in my day job I also have familiarity with, funnily enough. So it's basically the, – the way that it works is that the the thumbstick that you actually place your thumb on is actually a cap that sits on top of a uh, – on a post basically. And the post is connected to it's, – it's almost like a box of sorts that has a rotating – contact that kind of creates electrical charges that can measure where the joystick is positioned based on what nodes are being uh, triggered at any given sense in time. But the way that these snap back to neutral is they literally have like rubber bands around the side of it. And eventually those rubber bands will stretch and wear a little bit thin to the point where 
it that the, your joystick will be off will be centered, but the potentiometer will think that it's not, or it'll be slightly off center even when you're not touching it. So that's where the drift comes into play. Um, plus the fact that contaminants cause drift, and when you have plastic pieces rubbing against other plastic pieces, like the edge of your thumb cap rubbing against the side of your of of the well where it sits in. Uh, plastic dust grinds off because friction is a thing and that gums up the works as well. The problem is, is that in order to clean these, you literally have to take your controller apart to clean them, to be able to get the dust out and to clean the contacts, uh, on the potentiometer to make it, to, to make sure it's operating correctly. And that's not number one. It's not something that should be expected for a normal Joe gamer to have to do. Uh, and number two, it's, it's not designed to work that way. Like it literally can violate your controller warranty uh, if right. you if you happen to do that. Um, I fix it. Uh, talks in the video about make you know console makers should make it easier for these parts to be replaced. Um, I generally agree. There's a fine line between that because ease of access. Uh, when when you increase ease of access for the end user to get into a part, uh, you sacrifice. Uh, stability in that part because you, you have to have some kind of entryway. You have to design it in such a way to make things easily replaceable so that you're not damaging, you know, major circuits, so you know, major components inside the controller that you might not want an end user to be able to have access to. So it's a tricky situation. Honestly, I'm in your boat. Uh, I, I, th- this is a, a situation where I take the mica approach of just throw money at the problem. Yeah. If you want to yeah. make a better design controller that's able to get around these pratfalls and I have to pay $50 more for the console and maybe if I buy a spare controller, it costs like $15 more. I'm going to probably fucking do that. Like that's, that, that seems to be a fair trade, uh, in my book. Yeah, man, you can, um, you know, people aren't, people aren't, this, this is why people buy consoles because they don't want to have to do all this. They don't want to have to open things up and try to fix them. Like this is, this is the, this is one of the reasons why, because it's easier and, um, I buy it and it's supposed to work. So, yeah, this is uh, this is wild, man. Yeah, yeah. Just, just throw an extra fifty bucks in there. It's not like the the, the controllers cost what, sixty dollars anyway. Yeah, sixty seventy dollars anyway. Throw or an extra fifty. Or if, or if you're not going to do that, like uh, like the C forty was a PlayStation design controller. Um, they worked in conjunction with Astro for it, but that came out six years after the console did. Like if you're gonna if if you want to go cheaper on the included controller, that's cool. I think you should do more to then have a a better product available, maybe alongside of it, even if you're not necessarily producing it. Um, which for a PlayStation, you're going to have to work hand in hand with a third party manufacturer because of all the proprietary components that are in that are in the dual sense. So, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, we go to the post office. I'll start with Cam. It says the Mortal Kombat trailer sent me down a rabbit hole of watching video game movies. I'm so sorry, Cameron. Uh, that, that's, that, that's true. <laughs> Uh, I watched both Mortal Kombat movies and Tekken since it's free on Amazon Prime. Why does nobody ever really mention Tekken in the video game movie discussion? Much like the first MK, it isn't good, but the fight scenes are better than Mortal Kombat and is fairly close to the source material. Um, one, uh, Tekken is not as popular as Mortal Kombat. I think it's that's the not. biggest reason, honestly. Like, more, like Mortal yeah. Kombat was a pop culture phenomenon. In the nineties, yeah. when those movies came like, out, Tekken. Mortal, Mortal, I don't know how how old Cam is if he could appreciate like Mortal Kombat in the nineties, but uh, yo, it was all over the place, dude. Like it wasn't just this fighting game. Like it was, it had its like, it had its. It was in the zeitgeist, man. Right. 
Like I mean, like, I mean, the the the, the our, our 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 as liberals, our hate for Joe Lieberman originated because of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> That's how like, important Mortal Kombat is to to all of our lives. That we, it, it started the hate train for Joe Lieberman, one of the worst fucking people in yeah, the world. Man, like it was it was a cultural phenomenon, like like Bart Simpson and Laura Croft were, and um. And Tekken just never reached those heights within mainstream community. Um, uh, also, Tekken, while it is very popular uh, amongst like us, like we know what Tekken is, Tekken is very weebish. It, it just kind of is. It's very Japanese, but it's not as like it's 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 what it's what weebs play instead of Street Fighter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like Street Fighter is also uber popular. But um, yeah, people just and I guarantee you, people just don't know this Tekken movie exists. Like, I think I that's, saw it back in like 2010 or something like yeah. that, and um, and it was at a it was at a, a theater that would only play like it was one of those small uh, uh, theater houses, and it was this super small screen, and it was me and my black weeb friends going to going to watch the movie. And it was like a, it was, it had to have been out for like a year or two years or something like that. But, but um, yeah, it's just that people don't know about it. Tekken's right. not as popular. And, that, and and the other thing too, is that not only is it not as popular, but also there, there really isn't a bankable star in the movie at all. Like, like Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa is the most recognizable name in that cast. Um, and that no one's going to the theater for him, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like that, like, like right. he's like, he, like he, he's, he's always like a, like the a side character, like no, like right. no and, one was and, going to see. And he was Shang Tsung. Right. Like, like, <laughs> like what is Shang Tsung doing in this movie? Yeah. Like jo- Jonathan Patrick Fu uh, played uh, Jin Kazama and his it, Tekken is literally his most notable credit. Uh, the the other thing that he did that is of note is he was on the short lived uh, rush hour TV show uh, that did not last very long. So that's why it wasn't as popular because there's just no it, it wouldn't have landed on people's radar. Yeah, for the most part. Oh, let's see here. My my phone went away. Uh, Johnny asks, have you guys played any demos this week? Uh, Guilty Gear, Project Triangle, Bravely Two, etc. You talked about the uh, Guilty Gear demo or beta. Uh, I played uh I played Guilty Gear. Guilty Gear I I like just kind of messing around with Guilty Gear, but like Guilty Gear is one of those games where it's like you gotta have a PhD to be like really good at it. Um so the the goal with Guilty Gear Strive was to kind of simplify it a bit. And um I, I I'm enjoying it, but I'm also playing like a super simple character, mm-hmm. um uh Giovanna. Um, and she's very fun to play, but, and she's easy to wrap your head around. And if you could wrap your head around her, you can wrap, you can, you could pick her to kind of wrap your head around the game mechanics and how like, like Roman canceling, like there are four different types of Roman cancels that you can do. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, if you can, I, I pick, I'm picking her to kind of wrap my head around the guilty game mechanics and then I'll kind of ease my way up. Um, yeah, they got, and I wanted to play that black guy, right? Like that black guy with the big ass samurai sword. I'm like, oh shit, that guy's awesome, right? He looks cool as shit. Well, he's he's a he's a he's a, a samurai vampire uh, that has and 
you know, everybody in Guilty Gear has a gimmick. His gimmick is that like if he if when he attacks you, he feels his blood rage and mm-hmm. his, his his if his blood rage gets too high, then he'll go or his blood gauge. And if his blood gauge gets too high, he'll go into a blood rage. And then he'll do like tremendous amounts of damage, but his health will just tick by. You'll you'll be dead in seconds. So basically, so, so so he's blade. He's blade. Yeah, he's a bla- he's a big black guy with a sword that's a vampire. Of course, yeah, he's blade. <laughs> but um, you know that's a complicated character. And Zato, like I can't I, I I can't deal with puppet characters. But you gotta like control two characters with one. And, and at the yeah, same I can time, never I can I never can. get down with Carl and <laughs> yeah. Blaze Blue. Right. Yeah. No. Did, didn't work no. out well. Uh, one of my favorite questions ever here is Mad Coco G, who asks favorite gaming magazine from back in the day. Uh, I admit that I was a huge game, huge game pro kid, but once PSM started doing, started having known comic artists doing their covers, I jumped ship faster than Ted Cruz going to Cancun. Uh, timely humor. Uh, this category makes me want to want to pull, uh, pull pull up a chair and tell you young bucks out there who, who might be a little bit younger to. Gather around and listen to the old men talk shop. Micah, I don't know if your childhood experience was the same as mine, but buying a uh, – getting a new gaming magazine in the mail or going to the newsstand inside of the mall or at Barnes & Noble or, or sorry, uh, what, was the, what was the defunct uh, – the Bibolo back in the day? Uh, getting to go in and, and purchase a new video game magazine was one of the highlights – uh, of of my childhood, often. yeah, man. You you uh you walk into a Babbage's, yeah, <laughs> and they got them and they got them sitting right there in the racks in front of the registers and stuff like that. Yeah, man. I used to I used to I used to love getting these things. I my first one was Nintendo Power. Yep, right. I was, I I that, was there I too that, first. You know, Super Mario Brothers two claymation, uh, covered Nintendo Power. Um, here's the, here here's the best part about Nintendo Power. By the way, back in the day. Nintendo used to make excellent, and I mean excellent, game strategy guides. And as part of your gift, whenever you subscribe for a year, you got to get one of several that they that you could choose from for free. And the, the, the Nintendo strategy guides were honestly like some of the best strategy guides that I've ever used in my life. Like I had the Mario three strategy guide. I had the NES Atlas, which had strat full run throughs for so many NES games, donkey Kong country, final fantasy six fucking had like, them all. They were like encyclopedias, man. Like yeah. They were, I remember them being pretty thick and, and uh, yeah, they were, they were, they were quality, man. They were, they were, they were really good. Um, you know, I dabble with Game Pro. You know, that's where the whole pro tip thing came from. Um, Game Game Pro for me, um, I always enjoyed, and I had a subscription. Um, they had they had my favorite rating system um, of all of all the games with like the different faces. <laughs> it's so nineties. <laughs> it's very 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 nineties. Game Game Pro also always felt like a portal into a world that you didn't live in because they did a lot of coverage of like 3do and Atari Jaguar stuff Mm. when you didn't see one in the flesh. 
ever yeah. when we were when we were kids, unless you had a rich friend that happened to fucking. I knew yeah, one person yeah. that had a Jaguar. I remember you told you told that story. So yeah, um, man, gaming magazines. I I I liked uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly. Yep. Um, that was I I I read EGM a lot. Um, and I didn't really get into uh, I didn't really get into uh brand specific magazines too much mm-hmm. um but my buddy he always got like uh p uh psm mm-hmm. um i i was an i was an opm guy i was an official playstation magazine guy uh because that came yeah. out quarterly and they all and i didn't care the like the magazine was so so but they always had that demo disc uh right, that came right. back maybe that's it, what so. i was thinking of because yeah. he always played the demo because i would look at those magazines and i'm like i i i never really cared for them but but the demo is what got you, right? Right. Um, that that that, that uh, uh, OPM demo disc was what uh, turned me on to Metal Gear Solid. I'd never even heard of it beforehand, and they had the the demo of the game in there. Um, and I played that demo like literally twenty times, and it's just, it's just the first part of the game where you're sneaking into the into the base. But like, I played it so <laughs> fucking much, and and immediately bought the game when it came out. Um, you know, we worked at GameStop, so you pretty much had to get uh, a Game Informer subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I liked Game Informer. I I you know they they were they were big pages and and they had really good cover art. Um, they still kind of they still do actually. I I I I really I really enjoyed Game Informer. That was. That might have been like my number. That might have been like a close number two, mm-hmm. if I have to, if I have to, um, kind of rank them. But EG, I was an EGM guy. I, I was an EGM guy, then a Game Informer guy, and then a Game Pro guy, um, and then everything else just kind of, you know, I just kind of saw whatever I saw. Yeah, we like so we followed similar paths there. Game Game Informer um, definitely meant more to me pre GameStop than it did, <laughs> it did once yeah, I started yeah. working for GameStop. <laughs> And like I still I still get Game Informer now actually, um, but I don't really even read them when they come in. It's like the the necessity for a magazine nowadays is just it doesn't exist. Like they're like everyone. Uh, there's a lot of great uh, websites on the internet that are doing the best news coverage. That it's immediate. You don't have to wait for it every month. Um, yeah. And there's very little reason to crack open a Game Informer anymore. Which is I mean a, it's sad in a way, but again it's also a, a relic of a bygone era. Um, yeah, in a lot of ways, it's just it is what it is. So yeah, what can you say? Uh, the last question comes from our good buddy Johnny again. Uh, how long until Bobby Shimerda goes back to prison? I don't even know uh, who Bobby Shimerda is. So believe it or not, Brad, neither do I. Oh no, I don't know who the hell Bobby Shimerda is? I just know he's he's some sort of rapper that went to jail and recently came back out. Um, I don't know what he went to jail for. I don't know why his name is Bobby Shimerda. Um, I don't I, I don't know what his music is. Uh, apparently his name is Akil, A-C-K-Q-U-I-L-L-E. Uh, John Pollard, um, uh, he's Jamaican. Okay. That explains that name. Uh, um, yeah, I, I have, I have no, uh, I have no idea who this is. He has a hit song, uh, the title of which you cannot say. No, I, 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 I just Googled him and I, I looked on his Wikipedia entry. I was like, no, I can't, uh, I can't talk about his hit, his hit, uh, his hit track. Uh, apparently he was in prison for seven years, uh, for conspiracy and weapons charges. 
So, oh, all right. That um, is why. That is why he was in jail. So I don't. I don't know how long until he goes back to prison. Um, hopefully, he doesn't go back. Yeah, I'm not gonna wish for him to go back, but like, I'm not gonna care when he does. Yeah. Uh, did that answer your question? There you go. Apparently, he, apparently, he said he's leaving. He's leaving New York. So yeah, you probably should. <laughs> <laughs> Or I, or I guess he can leave New York once his once he's done uh, with his parole. But yeah, he says as soon as I can, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Which look, yeah. I understand. So <laughs> yeah. get your ass out of trouble. Totally man. understand. Um, so thank you guys for submitting your questions again. Uh, if you can, if you're in our Discord channel, uh, you can submit your questions in the post office. You don't have to wait for Tuesday either. You can do it all week long, and we'll read the past week's worth of questions. Uh, to get to the Discord for now, the only way to do it is to be a member of our Facebook fan group. You can get there by going to densepixels.com/fans. Join up, and then the very top post on the page is the Discord link that you can get in there because eventually the Facebook's going to go away because they're being stupid. So uh, it is what it is. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show as well as all the other fantastic TNP shows on any app that you can get podcasts on. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash DensePixels, and then follow us on Twitch. I am DensePixelsBrad, Terrence's Apparition 410, and Carrie is Suppets Carrie. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening and watching this week, and we will see you all the next time. See you.